Well, good morning, good old sports fans. It's Monday morning, big playoff weekend in the NFL, basketball action, some movement in college football. I mean, just a full slate happened uh, since we saw last saw you on Friday, but we're here to talk about it. Starting out with basketball, man, I saw a play this morning by a player. I don't know if it was high school or basketball, but the guy shot the ball. It was a tussle up at the rim. Got rebounded it, put it back up, went in. The other team, I don't know if the guy that was inbounding it was frustrated at the other guy that from the other team, but from the he like passed it, passed it right back to the guy. And mm-hmm. The guy went up and laid it up for another two points. I was looking at that. I was like, "Ain't no way!" And his teammate was right there. I was like, "Ain't no way you do that on purpose." But I watched it a few times, and I was like, okay, he looks frustrated. So I'm guessing that, okay, you know, street ball rules is you make it, check it up, you know. Yeah. And that's like what it was. And I was like, there's no way you just do that, you know, willfully, (laughs) you know. And his teammate was standing there like. (laughs) So he threw it back to him on the inbound. Yes. (laughs) Another guy was just, you know, he put it up and was going back to the defense. That had defense. to have been a high school game where, or junior high, something. No, nah, it was too, it was too old. Probably high school, but some kid that's never played. Backup. <laughs> he player. just passed it straight back to him. I was like, why would you do that? I was like, oh, that's basketball though. But yeah, uh, like he full said, weekend. full weekend, man. Uh, Ten- third week of doing the show, by yes, the way. Yes, third week. We're starting out third week. Uh, I think this week is going to be mad interesting. Uh, yeah, well, I think there will be a lot of moving pieces. Yeah, uh, and y'all already know for who. If you are watching this show and you live in Texas, you know what. And on the West Coast. Matter of fact, the whole world. <laughs> All right. But anyways, yeah, man, there's a lot of moving pieces. I think this week will be very interesting. And We're going to have Elwin Henderson on yes, tomorrow. Elwin Henderson, our inside guy. Uh, covers the Dallas Cowboys, covers Houston, Houston Texans. Texans. Uh, got a little bit of insight on the NFL as a whole. He knows some guys. But, yeah, man, it's some, it's 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 going to be jam-packed. And I, I'm actually looking forward to it because I want to see uh, potentially, you know, what's going to be going, what's going to be – what. What kind of moves are going to be made? Um, what kind of actions will be t- uh, taking place moving forward for some of these teams? Um, well, like you said, man, it was a, a jump at weekend, good weekend of uh, football, basketball. We had some interesting things in basketball uh, to talk about here, and I just I'm I'm excited to get started on that because some interesting stuff happened, and I think it needs to be talked about. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll start with your Lakers. They had a good weekend, by the way. Yeah, they did. Won, won both of their yeah. games over the weekend, Friday and Sunday. Uh, yeah. Uh, they uh, beat the Grizzlies and then turn around and come back and beat the Trailblazers last yeah, night. Yeah, man. D- down, what was it, 71 to 45 at one yeah. point? Going and, into and, half, Pat and, Bev gives a rah-rah speech. Yep. They outscored, in the third quarter, outscored uh, Portland 42 to 20. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they, they put on... Big in the third quarter. Where have man. those Lakers been? Oh I, wait, LeBron's been in. Man, I'll t- but look, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> LeBron had 38-1. and LeBron did something. We, 
he did something, but I don't want to talk about that. I'm gonna get to that game. We can get to that game in a second. Last night's game in a second. But I want to talk about the the Memphis game uh, Friday night. Uh, that was a huge win for the Lakers, uh, especially coming off the you know the, you know two loss streak. You know, mm-hmm. it was a big win for them, uh, one twenty two to one twenty one. And I want to talk about not LeBron James because LeBron James actually didn't have. I mean. And he had an average, what you call it, not a below average game, actually. He scored like 20s or something. Yeah, it's one below not, average. Yeah, it's below average for, for him. him. Yeah. Average for him is in, his thir- in the 30s. But uh, I want to talk about everybody else that had, you know, Russell Russell Westbrook was big that game. Um, and then uh, Dennis Schroeder, you know. And one of the things about Dennis Schroeder is is that he didn't have a good game. It wasn't his best game uh, Friday night, but he definitely definitely made his presence felt. Uh, he made he he let them know that he was there because he made some very some contested shots, um, moving the ball, getting down court, and defense. The last play they played against they had against. Uh, the Grizzlies, that's still on Schroeder. You know, he talked about it, and he was like, it, it was really a chance-by-chance chance kind of play. Mm-hmm. It's because he knew that, you know, that defender at the time, the the uh, the guy at the time, the player at the time was being heavily defended, so he he took opportunity and to catch him off guard because his back was turned to him and swiped the ball and went down, put it up, and got an end one. To put the Lakers in a league and give them a three-point lead, uh, but you do that, and that was a just—I mean, you put your team in the a position to win because you made a gutsy call because that could have been a foul, yeah, you know, but you made a gutsy call and you went for it and you put your team in the position to win and they got the win, but and that's the kind of grit you've got to have, definitely if you're the Lakers, like, yeah, that's what they've kind of been missing. Yeah, that piece right there. It is, and that's what that's why I keep saying Lakers aren't just a bad. They're, they're a good team, but they're. But you did that on night when LeBron didn't have his best game, right? And that that's my point. They don't need LeBron to win basketball. Games. No, I mean he, and that's why I'm saying. I, I've been. I said last week is that if he took a lesser role, it'll it'll be okay because yeah. he'll still get his points. But he's not a deciding factor in the game, and and he would open up opportunities for for others, right? You know, like a Russell Westbrook, like an AD when he's healthy. I mean, yeah. you're just different guys. But but Lakers have a team. They have everybody else on 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 the perimeter is starting to open up. Uh, uh, Troy Brown and and those guys are starting to play. Uh, Kendrick Nunn. So they're starting to open up more, and that's why I question: Do you really want to get rid of a Russ? Or when AD comes back, who knows what could happen then? But yeah, um, do you really want to get rid of Russ? I mean, is that really the move you want to make, considering the effect he's having on the game as of right now? I, I think it all comes down to what are the conversations like behind closed doors. You know, what is Russell Westbrook telling people? What does he have his agents, you know, exploring as far as a right. future move? I, I, I think all of that's got, and who calls. Yeah, right. Who, who calls and what what's out there? You know that they that the Lakers would say this is a move worth making, and it also it comes down to what we talked about last week, where you know the Lakers are doing all of this and basing it off mm. the thought process of 
you know, we know that LeBron James' career probably doesn't have a lot of longevity to it. So I think that, that, that that's going to play into it as well. Something I don't want to move off of too quickly as far as the Memphis and Lakers game is concerned is that Shannon Sharp was oh. there front and center and him the Grizzlies apparently don't get, get along. So apparently he told uh, Dylan Brooks, and this is his words, uh, this is what he told ESPN's Dave McNamara at halftime. They didn't want the smoke. They do all that talking and jockeying, and I ain't about that jockeying. It started with Dylan Brooks. I said Dylan Brooks. Too, this is him. He said he was too small to guard LeBron. He said, F me. I said, F you back. He started to come at me, <laughs> and I said, you don't want these problems. And then Ja came out of nowhere talking. He, def- he definitely didn't want these problems. Then the dad came, and he obviously didn't want no problems. But I want anything they had. Don't let these fools fool you now. So... <laughs> Okay, whatever. That's a former athlete going, you know, jawing back and forth. <laughs> but you work for a major news network, man. I I, I get that. Uh, you're right. He does. But at the same, it's the same thing that him and Skip do on the show. Oh, I know. So the the the. But okay, but it goes <laughs> back to how serious was it between it? Because we're seeing the same thing here. So I I. How serious was it? I think it was very serious because it got personal. That got personal. That's how serious that was. I don't think that was. I don't think that was a fluke. I don't think that was. I, I really think Shannon was real, real life hurt. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, because that got really personal. I mean, he's worked for, with, with Skip. And they have their you know, arguments, but Skip downplayed this man's career. You know, like it was nothing compared to Tom Brady, and that's. I mean, like, man, you're talking to a Hall of Famer, you know, three-time, four-time Super Bowl champ, you know? You're not just talking to any old Joe. Right. Know? It's Shannon Sharp, arguably one of the, the greatest tight ends in the game, of the game. And so, like I told you, uh, I, it's Shannon. You know, Shannon is known for talking smack. He did it while he played the game. Uh and obviously, honestly, it wasn't anything that he said wrong. As of from a sports perspective, Dylan Dylan Brooks could not guard LeBron, and and LeBron gave Dylan Brooks all he could handle that night. I mean, he wore him out, and so that, in all honesty, he wasn't wrong. I think it was wrong for Stephen Adams to come and get involved because if Stephen Adams doesn't get in, doesn't get involved. It doesn't blow up like that, you know. Yeah. And then for John, for all of them to come and get, and then for the dad. I mean, but, but I think okay, it, it was a matter of we're going to stand up for a teammate. Then everybody got involved. Yeah. And then once John Morant got involved, his dad's sitting right there, so he's going to get involved yeah. because that's my son. You're not going to talk to my son that yeah. way. I, I, yeah, I, ideally, you don't want your whole team, you know, crowding around the sideline yelling at somebody. But if you're Shannon Sharp, come on, man! You you, you work for a TV network. Just enjoy the game. Think no, what you want to think. Say what you want to say on your show. I mean, you you have uh, a whole no. show. You don't have to yell at a, well, uh, okay. a, a guy and like that from the side. He didn't yell at him. He just yeah, he said. no. He said he did. He said he yelled at him that he couldn't. That he was <laughs> too small to guard LeBron. But the thing is, everybody else can say something, but it, Shannon can't. Well, I don't think that any, for me, well, it, I had a, it, a problem with a television personality like that saying something. 
Like, I, I had a problem with that. That was my issue. Okay. If you're paid to talk about sports and all that, that's great. But then don't go to a sporting event and harass a player. Like, I I had a problem Oh, man, it's part of the game. We don't that, go and harass players. And that, they, what they don't hear? <laughs> well, no, but I would never, but he intentionally did it to where it yeah, would be hurt. But, that was my issue. Like, we've covered games that I know the opposing coach, because I've coached against yeah. him, can't stand him. But I'm not going to sit there and gripe at him I from don't, the sideline. I, 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 what, okay, this is what I will say about this, is, and this is why I say, that's why you mind your business. He said what he said. It ain't nothing different from any what anybody else would say. But this is where it blew up. Steven Adams doesn't come over there. It doesn't blow up. It's not that bad. Well, because once he got involved, everybody else yeah. was mad again. But well, Shannon, was, Shannon said what he said. There was no issue. And that was it. It would have been it. Steven Adams, that's what blew this out of proportion. Is Steven Adams came across the court and said something, wanted to argue, and that's what made it blow out of proportion. But other than that, Dylan Brooks, you take that you take that, and you keep on playing. And honestly, like I said, he didn't say nothing wrong. LeBron was handling Dylan Brooks that game. Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, come on. This was a, from a from an, an, uh, uh, an analyst perspective, yeah, he was right. Yeah, but, but I just... I, I don't, man. Let them talk. It's These athletes are going to hear a lot worse well, I agree, but he's paid. That's okay. the difference. He's a prominent figure. You, there's a there's a level of professionalism to this. Man, business. he was off the clock, but he's not. See, that's the problem. But okay, oh, okay. but no, but that's the wait, wait, wait. Because that's the same thing. That's the same thing we talk about. Is there's a difference between professional when I'm on the clock and I'm doing this? Like we're doing this right now. There's some yeah. things that I won't say, but I'm off. I'm off the clock. You not in my personal life. So, therefore, I get to let loose. I get to enjoy my time however I please. So, therefore, that's what Shannon was. He wasn't on the clock. Okay. He was on free time. Well, I, the I only thing that, the only thing that made that, the, the, that's his soap, that he's an athlete himself. Okay. Then, uh, there we go. Okay, but let's this, go down this trail then. It, because here was my bigger issue with it, is there's a double standard for Shannon Sharp and there's a double standard for Skip Bayless. There are two different standards that the public has. We're, we're going to excuse what Shannon does. But if Skip Bayless does one thing, that was my other issue is that everybody wanted to pile on Skip. Now, I, I'm not talking about the, what he said on the show. I didn't agree with that at all. I, you don't go after a man's career when he's already in the Hall of Fame. But everybody wants to pile on Skip for the things that he tweets or the things that he says or whatever. How is that any different than what Shannon Sharp did on Friday night. That was my bigger issue. It but isn't. I agree, but then everybody piles on Skip, but we're going to just Who said that it pile on Shannon? Nobody did. The only coverage was that ESPN went down and interviewed him at halftime. That's it. Okay. Like nobody's talking about it. That was my big... That's, that's what I was talking about on this show. Okay, Is that there's a double standard for there, certain There's guys. no double standard. Oh, yeah. So, Shannon Sharp can get away with whatever because it, he's, quote-unquote, the great Shannon Sharp... But if other guys do some of the same stuff, they they get piled on. It, it, it's a matter of who you are and who likes you in the business and who doesn't. That's it ain't about that. This is what it's the same thing. This is because you you got to take emotions. This is what I tell you, and I say the same thing about Dion when we talk about Dion. I'm actually gonna defend Dion today, by the way. I say the same thing about Dion is when we talk about Dion is. 
Dion is Dion. Everybody know Dion is gonna talk. Dion's gonna want to show. Okay. Dion's but and, but but well, hold on. It's the same thing with Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp is gonna talk. He gonna talk big game. He gonna talk trash, and he gonna do what Shannon Sharp does. Skip Bayless on it. Everybody know that by Shannon. Everybody knows about Skip. Skip's Skip, been doing it since. The okay, 80s. but Skip says outrageous stuff sometimes. Skip says stuff that like it's not even, it, it's not even it's it's not backed up with any kind of analytical facts. It's outrageous. It's offensive. This, I mean, but if it's off the clock, who cares? It's off the okay. That, You're that, right. You're right. Yeah, but I, I'm referring but, to it but, off the clock. Off not the clock. The okay, show. so I don't agree with this. So show. I mean, it's off the clock. So why should we harp on Shannon about it? But they harp on Skip. That was my point. They don't harp on Skip. Oh, they, Nobody Skip harp get, on Skip. Everybody harps on Skip. gets ripped on every show in America every single day for stuff that doesn't even pertain to his show. Okay, but I ain't saying it's right. And I'm not but even a saying, Skip Bayless fan. But I'm not saying it's right. But so what, man? It doesn't... It Really, I, I, it, I think there's, a more, there's more of a respect for Shannon simply because Shannon has played the game. Shannon plays the game. It's just not a necessary, it's not a fact of, oh, it's a double standard. I think it's a more of a respect for Shannon because Shannon plays the game. Played the game. He knows the in and outs. He knows how athletes think. Skip doesn't. Well, there, so that but four, there's tons of analysts who never played NFL football. Okay. And they, they get to have their say. Uh, Yeah, Skip gets to have his too. Well, apparently. But this, this scrutiny didn't come. Out of the public for 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 uh, Skip until he said what he said about about Shannon. Well, and then the uh, but he got a, he got piled on for the Demar Hamlin deal when that was a complete mistake. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, that was that a, was what I was referring to, not the deal on the show. Well, I disagree with the way he went after Shannon on the show. But the Demar Hamlin thing, that's just people misreading. I, I, that yeah, that's terribly. just your reading skills weren't that up up to par. But that's fine. That's. I mean, I get that. They shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't have been scrutinized for that. But the only difference is that made this the what it is is because it was on national television and it was called on camera. It was in L.A. Like, if the game had been anywhere else, it probably... Nobody nobody talks about it. But it's because of that. It was was broadcasted on TV. Everybody saw it. And then ESPN goes, that's it. Nobody... I mean, ain't nobody said nothing about it. That's what I'm saying. Is Skip goes out there and and puts it out there in public for everybody to read. That's why Skip is getting scrutinized because you put it on Twitter for everybody to see. Well, Skip also that's what made him famous. Like he would say these outrageous things in the Dallas yeah, Morning News. And so there's no double standard. It's the it's the it's the fact that Skip puts it out there for the whole world to see. And this happens to Shannon, and it just so happened to be on national television, and they caught everything on camera. So that's it. But there's no double standard. Skip put himself well, in that position. I think there position. is, but, but Skip, I don't think it's but, just Skip and Chan. I think there's a double yeah, standard. But, depending on who but you Skip are. put himself in that position willfully. <laughs> like he knows everybody's going to see it, and he still says it. Yo. Keeps him relevant, though. Yeah. Just like Stephen A. That's why him and Stephen A were such a good match. Yeah. So you come off of that, and then they turn around. They're down 71-45 to 45 at one point yes, going yeah. into the half. 
Pat Bev apparently goes in there, gets a good big rah-rah, let's go get them speech. Yeah. Gets them all fired up. They come out and outscore their opponent. Uh, I think it was 35 to 10. or uh, it, it, oh, was it was outrageous uh, spread. 42 to 20. Up uh, 42 to 20. Yeah, yeah, in the third quarter. In, in the third it, quarter. It, I mean, they shot they, the lights out. Yeah. They gave them all they could handle in the paint on the perimeter. <laughs> uh, uh, Thomas Bryant, four threes last night. And then uh, to seal the game um, with the with his uh, his uh, play in the paint. I mean, Thomas – and that's why Thomas Bryant, you know, he's slowly but surely getting the recognition. And I'm not sure the recognition is as important to him as it is to, you know, the fans or any analysts or anybody but else. But his game has, since the beginning of the season, he stepped into that role and played that center role. And he's played it to the utmost, uh, sort of like a hybrid position because he, now we're we're starting to see his shooting skills. Not just what he's able to do in the paint, but his shooting skills. Four threes. I mean, he shot them and knocked them down like they were nothing. Yeah, uh, and, and that's the first time we've seen that from a Lakers player since maybe Mark Gasol. Like a uh, Dennis Rodman type player, you know, he, he gets in your head, he gets under your skin, and yeah. he can play his butt off. And Pat Bev last night, as uh, Dame Lillard's gearing up, getting ready to uh, shoot a free throw, shoot free throws, steps in front of him and says something to him. Now I can't say what Dame Lillard told him for the sake of the show, and uh, <laughs> but. Let me, it's let me family just, friendly. Yeah, it's family friendly, but let me just say they weren't kind words. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I think that was the beginning of the Lakers uh, kind of reign over the Portland Trailblazers. And you just seen the Lakers really band together as a team and, you know, really come back from, I mean, you're down 71 to 45, you know, and you come back and you score – 42 to their 20 in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And you really put your position yourself in a position to win as a team. Everybody did their part. Uh, there was great ball movement. Um, but that was one thing that LeBron James did. And I, I don't want to make it a negative thing uh, today on the show. But it was one thing that I seen that he did. Uh, because there were some instances, you know, LeBron James is a big guy standing at 6'9". Mm-hmm. Uh, Art 240-some pounds, right? Big guy. Uh, solid. You know, he, he he likes to take the ball, you know, once it's inbounded and everything. And, you know, he'll drive down the court 
uh, through the paint, get the layup or whatever. But there's one thing that he did last night when he was doing that, and that kind of kind of worried me, is that when he done that, I can't remember who it was, if it was Westbrook or somebody, but as he was running past him, his teammate, he takes his arm and kind of like pushes him, like, no, I got this. Yeah. He kind of bogarted. I'm like, man, you don't do that to your teammate. I understand, you know, the competitiveness, but not against your own team. And and that right there kind of solidified some some thoughts on LeBron for me. Is that when you when he done that, it's like LeBron wasn't looking to run the play. LeBron was looking to run the game. Mm-hmm. And that that right there showed me and, and solidified some things I always thought about LeBron that last night. They got the win. That's great. But that kind of play, if I'm looking at it, and maybe I'm looking at it wrong. But if I'm going back and I'm looking at it, I'm saying there's no room for that on my team because you don't do that to your own guy. I mean, he just fair just put his, like, get back. I got this. But that's the attitude that he's been having. Like, it, it, it just, you get that feeling because he yeah. takes over the ball with, you know, little to no time left on the clock trying to win a game. And, and that's been my point about him overall is that as long as he's there, they're not going to be able to operate as a team. You know, the way that yeah, con- that roster is constructed. Yeah, but that right there, I mean, out of all the great basketball they played last night, they got the win. Uh, but that right there just kind of worried me. Uh, it didn't sit right with me. But, like I said, they got the win. Uh, it was a big win, great win to back up the win against the Grizzlies Friday night. Uh, it's like I said, Lakers can be a dangerous team. If they just play, uh, play their game. And I think a lot of times they don't know what their game is depending on who they're playing. But if they can beat a a good Memphis team, they can really beat anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just – and then I've said Dame Lillard has been able to shut teams down single-handedly. I mean, Dame had a good game last night. Don't I mean? Don't get me wrong. Dame did what Dame does, but I mean, the the, the dominance of the Lakers in the second half was obvious, and you know clearly who was there to to win. Yeah, they uh, their that was just impressive to me. That you know that that was a game where I you know uh, saw it in half, and I said, well, that that game's over. <laughs> yeah, you know. Whatever, and then they they come charging back in the second half. The Mavericks, on the other hand, did not have as good of a weekend. They split their games. They beat the Heat one hundred and fifteen to ninety on Friday, but then fall uh, yesterday to the Clippers one hundred twelve to ninety eight. Wow! It, it just shows the, the incons- yeah the the Clippers, the L A Clippers, and I mean that just shows the inconsistency in Dallas. That you know one night you can do whatever you want. I hate do, it and the because you can't. I, you know why I hate that loss. They, for one, it's the Clippers. Yeah. Then for two, Dallas take two L's <laughs> from teams that's on the West Coast. True. This is pitiful. We can't go to the West Coast and win for squat unless we play in the Rams. That's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Like, golly. Now, if it was the Lakers, cool, because I like the Lakers, but it's the L.A. Clippers. I yep, mean, come on, the Clippers, man. Uh, what happened? Yeah. Just fell apart. 
Luca scored under apart. 30. Now, Tim Hardaway Jr. had 22 last night, though. But just, you know, couldn't couldn't get some things so, going. Luca never could quite get his footing. Like, you watched uh, him, and he, he just looked uncomfortable. Yeah, hey, was, on the bright side, nobody was watching that game because they were all watching the Cowboys. I'm telling you. And then the Lakers came on. So, that's why, that's why I've said these last two days of the show, I am surprised there are any fans. Who watches the Clippers in L.A.? Like, that's, I mean... <laughs> Who was even at that game? Everybody was in San Francisco. That's what I'm saying. It's a couple of fans and <laughs> rocking a blue and red. Hell, but but hey, you beat the Mavs. Yeah, but those are. It goes back to what I said before the weekend. Those are games that the Mavericks have got to win. Like if you're going to be a competitive team, like a, a and you're going to make the playoffs. But I'm talking about if you're going to be a force to be reckoned with. If you're not going to waste Luca's time, you've got to win those games. And that's a game that, yeah, Luka scores under 30, but you have Tim Hardaway Jr. with 22. He's kind of your key piece, but it goes back to your key piece has 22 points and you lose the ball game. That's why I've advocated, I will continue to advocate, and others will continue to advocate that if the Mavericks are going to do anything with this little group that they have, they've got to add one more key piece that can shoot and take up some of the cycle on the points. You got to. Yeah, you don't every, have a, ch- a choice. Yeah, everybody has their their game. You know where they lose to those bad teams, but the the fact is with the Mavericks, you shouldn't lose like that. I mean, a game. That Luka, you yeah, Luca had minimal. a below yeah a below average game. I guess this for this season. Um, and then you have uh, Tim Hardaway with twenty two, trying his best to take yeah, up the side. Yeah, I mean, but you 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 can only do so much to stay above water. You know, before this, you know, you sink. And right now, Luca, Tim Hardaway, are—I mean, mostly Luca, but Tim Hardaway's there to back him up. That, that's a good duo, but I, but they I, need some—they need, some, need a, yeah, they need another piece. Now, uh, an interesting thing that I want to kind of just throw out there hypothetically and just kind of toss it up in the air: Trey Young over in Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, I think will be a good fit for the Mavericks if they, if indeed, they are able to, uh, you know, trade or, you know, he if he if he ever looks at you know like hey I want out. Well, yeah, you know, he's kind of secretly behind the scenes talking yeah. about maybe wanting to get traded. But I think it's what are you giving up? Because you know Atlanta's going to see him as a top piece. Top piece. Yeah, he's going to command a top move. And you can't afford if you're the Mavericks. Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to be untradeable. Luca, of course, is untradeable. So then you got to look at okay, what could we move? Still keep our main circle intact. You know, how much draft capital are we willing to part with? That you know, I I, I think it's just going to come down to what is the market for Trey Young? Who else would be interested? Yeah. Uh, and, and and it goes back to I think the market for Trey Young is dictated. By what pieces does L.A. want to move? Like, if the Lakers are going to dangle a Russell Westbrook or an A.D. out there or a Pat Beverly, I think that that moves some people off of Trey Young. But if he's, you know, if, if if none of those guys are on the market, I think he's the top, he's obviously the top player that would be available at that point. You know, that everybody's going to shop. Yeah. So I think it's just, I think it's just a matter of who else is being put out there and how does that affect the market? Because that's going to affect you know your asking price if you're Atlanta. 
But if you're if you're Trey Young, you had your little run a couple years ago, but you you got to get out of there. Yeah, it's, it's not a it's it's no longer a good gig. But uh, and they've done nothing to build around you. I mean, no. it goes back to and and if I'm one of these franchises, basketball, football, any of them, why would you ever waste a guy like that's best years and not build around him? I've said that about Dallas. I'll say it about Atlanta uh, over there. I'll say it about even New Orleans to a point with uh, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram. Yeah, you got those two guys, and that's about it. You know, you haven't done a lot there. Uh, yeah, you, you just look around <laughs> the league, and, and it's becoming more and more prevalent that you're either building a super team or you're not. Yeah, and you're not doing a whole lot to build around the guys that are homegrown that that are kind of already there. And it's kind of more like you know. They're putting this on. It's like, okay, well, we got this guy, so we're gonna be good. You know, we, as long as we got him, we're gonna be good. And it's kind of you, you're putting unwanted and un you know unwanted, unneeded pressure on a player to perform to his highest potential and win you a ball when you ball games, and they can't do that. You know, I don't care who it is. LeBron wasn't able to do it by himself. Kobe wasn't able to do it by himself. The great any of the greats that you want to bring up, they weren't able to do it by themselves. They had other key pieces around them. Now they stood out. Even Jordan couldn't do it by himself. They stood out, but they still had key players around. They still had uh two or three other guys that were, you know, that like key players, like, hey, I can depend on them if yeah. I'm not having a good night, I can depend on them to pick up the slack or whatever. But the teams you just named, you just named Atlanta, Pelicans, and uh, the Mavericks. You know those guys aren't. Luca can't do it by himself. Zion and Brandon can't, uh, and Trey Young can't. I mean, you just can't. And you looked it's, at that Atlanta team a couple years ago, and you thought that's a team ready yeah. to make a run. Like yeah, they're going to go on a little run of dominance. Here. Yeah, they made the playoffs at one point. You know, and you and you watched them and said, hey. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Dwight Howard made a, a brief appearance in Atlanta. I, mean, I he, think so, yeah. And so, uh, you know, you, you watch that team and said, there's a difference maker. And then here we are two years later, we're not even talking about them. Yeah, it's, it's, but it's incredible to me how quickly things like that happen. Where you see a team and you go, that's going to be the next team. And then two seasons later, the Miami Heat are a prime example. The Miami Heat you know, lose to Dallas or what, you know, and, and back in 2020, in the bubble, we're talking about Bam Adebayo, we're talking about Tyler Hero, we're talking about all those guys saying, you know, the Heat, Eric Spolstra has figured it out post-LeBron and Bosh and all yeah. those guys. He, You know, here's his next team, and now they're on the outside looking in, you know, as far as things are concerned in being a, a true force of nature yeah. in the conference. Yeah. That's how quickly things change. Man, I just, I, <laughs> I hope, I hope, because Mavericks, I hope they do something soon. Maybe they go get a Cal Kuzma. You know, he's asking out of Sacramento. Not Sacramento. Uh, is it Sacramento? No. No. Uh, the Wizards. The wi- Washington. Washington. You know, he's he's asking out of Washington. He's wanting out of Washington. So maybe you go pick up uh, uh, Kyle Kuzma. You know, you go snag him. 
or you get you could get a Draymond Green as well. So you you yeah, because that definitely feels like that's that's yeah. ready to blow up in Golden State. Yeah, go get a Draymond. But see, these are the pieces that could help the Mavericks. You know, you get a Draymond Green, Tim Hardaway, Draymond with his defense, uh, Tim Hardaway and um, Luca, and then you have Kuzma coming off the bench. Hey, come on, man. You that's your team. You have a you 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 could have a, a good team now. The only thing I'm concerned on uh, about with the Mavericks is their centerpiece, you know. But other than that, man, you could you could have a, a long-standing team and a good run at that. But it's it's all about is how long you know Luca will last, or can last uh, under this team. You know they'll make the playoffs, uh, but I want to see how long he can last in a series, um, scoring wise, playing wise. Um, how, can he take over? That's what I want to see. Can he take over a series? Yeah, because in it, a must-win game. Yeah, because series is different than just going here and there and playing different teams. You know, you're playing the same team for potentially seven nights straight. You yeah, know? And the and same. You gotta go team. to their city. Yeah, you know, at, at some point, and when a, a a pivotal game in the series, that's what I want to see from him. Can he go into you know Boston? Can he go into where you know? Uh well he wouldn't have to play Boston till the finals but can he go into some of these places and win on the road right you know a, a must win can he do it you know pull, go go in and pull it off yep but uh that, that that's interesting to me we'll we'll keep definitely of course as uh, the NFL is winding down the NBA is kind of ramping up so and and that's what keeps the sports cycle constantly going is yeah. that is one thing's kind of fading out. Other things are ramping up here. Uh, we haven't talked about it much, but did want to touch on a couple things with uh, local high school football here in East Texas. Uh, Tyler High hires. But I'm not going to go out there and say they get their guy. I don't think this is their guy. Don't think that he was their top choice, uh, just from, from, from different indicators there. But they hire Rashawn Woods out of Enid, Oklahoma, uh, coming off a couple of uh, years. He, he went... Uh, 500 this past year, six and six. Previous year to that, he was under 500. He's apparently got a reputation in Oklahoma for going in and helping schools rebuild. I we texted back and forth a little bit about this over the weekend. Yeah, I do not feel that this was their guy. Uh, from all indications, they were looking up north in the Metroplex area at a couple of uh, offensive coordinators. There was apparently some phone calls made to some established coaches here. In East Texas, trying to draw them away from you know their current situations. No names were released, but but from all indications, there was some phone calls, some conversations, and this was a job that a few years ago would have warranted a Scott Surratt, John King, Art Briles kind of guy. I mm-hmm. mean that that you would have looked at that job and said, well, that talent in that district, we can go in there, win that district, and we're able to compete with. You know the top end uh, of the bracket Ooh, just because of the athletes walking around on campus. This yeah. year, you didn't get that sense at all that 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 they actually couldn't actually go out and pursue. They had to settle for whoever applied, and that the applicant list wasn't that great. Well, uh, just a shocking move to me because he's not that different than the guy that you're moving on from in in Coach Rickland Holmes now. Coach Holmes moved on to pursue some other possibilities. I, you know, it 
reads is that and by all indications he's got some guys you know in his coaching circle maybe talking to him about some coordinator positions and he just was ready to move on after you know so many years there at Tyler High but but even at that you didn't necessarily fire him but you want to take you you want to get going again because you know you just a few years ago you're in the state semifinal game you're right on the doorstep you're back Cujo Nation is back and in this passage, you take a large step backwards, even though it was a seemingly willingly de- willing deal on his part to step down. Generally, you want to move on to a guy who's going to put you back up, right? And it doesn't seem that they made that move. It seems like they made a move that is lateral at best. Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with. I mean, he's ex NFL player. Uh. Not just a popularity, you know, it'll get us the looks, but I think maybe relation to the players, um, you know, maybe they're looking at it from that standpoint, but more so, more importantly, I want to know what in the world, I mean, the fall of Tyler High Schools, I mean, they used to be in, in East Texas, and uh, I mean Texas period. They used to be the teams. Yeah, you know it was Longview, Tyler, and Carthage, and, yeah. and being you know Gilmer right there with them. But those were the teams in East Texas, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess you could add in Henderson for for a period or a spell. But either way, those were the top teams, and it's like all but them have con- you know proceeded to. Uh, be successful, but they've they've gone on a downfall. Well, Tyler Legacy, you know, that was always a tough job because you you tend to to lose. So the the unique thing about Tyler ISD as a whole is that all the kids go to the same junior high, but then they get to choose which high school, which one of the two high schools. So that's why there was always kind of a talent gap between what you got at what was formerly known as Robert E. Lee, now known as Tyler Legacy, and formerly known as John Tyler, now Tyler High. But now, all of a sudden, based off of this hire, if if Tyler Legacy plays it right, they may wind up with a better hire than Tyler High. That would be interesting to me. If they're able to go get a top-end football coach, I want to see how does that affect who goes to which school. Yeah. But, but you're right. Uh, Tyler High has just tumbled, uh, which is... I mean, ludicrous to me because you, I mean, you got the athletes. You got plenty of athletes running around. That's there. what, yeah. And for well, whatever how? reason, you just haven't been able to win. And you know, so I thought, okay, well, maybe it's just a, a, a case of Coach Holmes is realizing, hey, my, my message has gone cold. It's getting a little stagnant here. They just see a new voice. But but if that's the direction you're heading, you hire a guy that that brings a little bit of clout with him. Yeah. You know, that that forces them to listen. That forces them to adhere to this, this is a winning formula. I thought Marshall did a, a good job of that this past year moving to coach uh, Al, Barry Alvarez because he's a guy, he's won state championships before. He, you know, whether you like the wing tier or not, you're going to run it because by golly, that won me a state championship. And, and, you know, if you don't like that, carry on. So you got to bring in, if you're looking to change the face of your program, that's the kind of guy, and by all accounts, that's the kind of guy they were pursuing, making some phone calls, having those conversations, but now all of a sudden you're getting told no. 
And that was what astounded me is that these guys were turning down that job because that was a job that was a job that a few years ago, uh, you know, you would have seen a, a coach reward and leaving Chapel Hill despite all the success he's had to go take that job. He by all accounts was contacted about the Tyler Hyde job and had to come out and publicly say, I'm not taking that job. I'm not interested in that job. I haven't had time to really think about that job. Uh, he had to contact David Smoke personally, and they had a, a lengthy conversation about it because all the, the signs pointed to the fact that he was going to resign You know his post uh, there at Chapel Hill following the, the playoff loss and take the job at Tyler High, which, like I said a few years ago, that would have been a no-brainer move for him. But now all of a sudden... Tyler Chapel Hill is a better job than Tyler High. <laughs> right. I mean, and that, that's, that's incredible. what I was just thinking of a few minutes ago. I was like, it's crazy how, you know, Tyler Chapel Hill in their own respects are good, you know. They, yes, and they've been good. Yeah, uh, and, you know. but they weren't at the same caliber as, you know, Tyler High. But, you know, I don't know, man. You want to you wanna ask the question, like I asked, you know, said maybe it's for uh, uh, more of a re- relatable move than, you know, professional move. Maybe, you know, he got somebody in there, you know, he played in the NFL. He's played at, a, at the highest level you can play in football. Uh, he, he has coaching experience. And maybe I think, okay, if he get this guy in here, because I do remember when we talked about this uh, er, uh, a couple of months ago, is that there was some disciplinary uh, problems yeah. as well. You know, he just wasn't able to, di- you know, his disciplinary had stopped. Um, uh, like he wasn't disciplining the athletes anymore, you know, on certain things. So maybe, you know, if they get this guy in here, you know, he's like I said, he's been to, he's played the high at the highest level, he's coached. Maybe they're thinking, okay, maybe they'll listen to him. Yeah, if they didn't listen. You know, if they stop listening to this guy, we get somebody fresh in here that knows what he's talking about. You know, knows the ins and outs. Maybe they'll listen to him, take him serious. You know. I think that was more of a personal move on for the for the players, more so just trying to start winning again. I think they wanted somebody in there that could probably get some fresh, you know, discipline skills in the locker room, and they could get the team together. Um, but I, for all that it's worth, I do hope that John Tyler, uh, I mean Tyler High, I'm sorry, gets it together. And restate their claims, man. Restate their. It, I mean, it would be good for East Texas. Yeah, you know, if they're if they're competitive now it's, again. Yeah, it's, it's kind of lopsided, you know. It, it really is. But like I said, the, the big story to me is if Robert, Tyler Legacy yeah. gets the guys, some of the guys yeah, they that they report to be after. That would that would to me change the complexion of that whole situation. Yeah. Uh, so another school that seems to be ramping up their their hiring process is Henderson. And that's an intriguing job to me as well, just because you do still have some athletes running around there. One of the guys that is apparently being floated by within the community, I mean, no no official word on this, one of the names being floated around would be of interest to me, uh, just because you don't, you rarely see uh, that move made as far as just the jump that would be made there. But the head coach uh, at Price Carlisle, is being mentioned as a possible leading candidate now, for that job. Now, remind me what 
who Price Carlisle is again? Carlisle. Like, it's a 2A school just outside of what? Henderson. Yes. But they've had marked success over the past uh, so they're gonna three going to go. Clay Baker they're is, gonna poach is being... They're going to poach their coast? Well, Clay Baker is apparently being mentioned among the locals as a possibility there. That'll be interesting. I would like to see Henderson back up there, man. But see, that, that's that's what I mean is when you talk about teams like Henderson and Tyler High, you think of success, you know, dominance. And where they are right now, you don't – it's it's like a – it's not even a foretaste of what they used to be. Um, and, but that's interesting to me too because that – you're right, not a foretaste of what they used to be. That's another job that used to would have commanded a top-end – 3A, 4A coach, and now you're talking about not not trying to take away from Coach Baker at all. He's had success there at Carlisle. But now you're talking that a guy from 2A Carlisle, now granted at one point he did go to high school at at Henderson, but you're talking about a 2A guy possibly coming in and taking that job. Yeah. (laughs) It's not, it's almost unheard of. I mean, that, when does that ever happen? Yeah. When does that ever happen? But it's happened before. Uh, well, I mean, it's happened before, but I mean... Okay, but not with Henderson. No. Yeah. Because I, I thought about that after I said that, because when Pittsburgh hired Robert Manley back in 07, uh, 06, 07, that, he, he came from, uh, what, Clarksville? Yeah, Clarksville. To, to a 3A school. And so, but... That's that was still even though they were in the district of, they weren't in the district of doom then. They no, had, that was prior to all that. Yeah, that was he, prior. He wound up getting. In. Yeah, but even even then, uh, Henderson was on their run. Yeah. Um, along with Carthage and all those and Gilmer, and so you even well, then Manley came in th- just as a side note. Manley came in at the wrong time. Could you think about that? He took that job in 07. Surratt comes to Carthage in '08. Yeah. And it spiraled out of control quickly for Coach Manley. <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> but that's, I, man, come on now, like. But you're talking about, you're talking about East Texas dominance here, man. And who, who has who as a head coach, and what kind of what caliber of head coach uh, are capable of having those jobs? And I'm not saying East Texas football. It, it's it's. I don't want to say it, but sadly, in these small towns, it's slowly to it's it's like it's not dying off, but it's losing its, you know, it is. It's losing its, you know, its its grit. Well, because they're they're running out of math. Like the the the, the towns that we always said, oh, they'll always have, suddenly don't. Yeah. And they suddenly don't carry the clout that they once did to hire the the coaches that they were once able to bring in. Uh, you're starting to see, you know, especially in these smaller areas, more of these coordinators getting jobs instead of the old retreads of yeah. just trading well, head coaches. This is this is this is the reality across the football world. You know, from high school to the NFL, is more coordinators are getting. There's no more standalone real high school football coaches or football coaches. You know, head coaches. They're you know, established. They're, yeah, they're established. I mean, they're pretty much going. Everybody that's taking these jobs or uh, coordinators have been coordinators for, I'd say, anywhere from five to six years somewhere else, and just want to take their 
that next step. And I think a lot of it is that the established head coaches are starting to retire. You know, we're seeing more and more yeah. of that where they're walking away uh, and uh, not interested in coming back. Yeah. You know? Well, uh, uh, a big one around here is uh, Tim Russell over at Harmony. Well, yeah. he retired and then went to Grace Community over at, at a Tyler, private school. At private school. But even the coach from uh, Troop, you know, retired. Yeah, coach John Eastman retired. Then you had... Uh, um, Decaps. Decab, Coach Griffin over in Decab, you know, walking yeah. away. We, we've had several, you know, over the past several seasons that, that were established guys yeah. uh, walking away. You know, and respected teams. I mean, um, especially Harmony, what, what Tim Russell did over there. I don't know. I didn't never really watch Harmony that, Harmony that much, but I know, you know, through you and some of the stuff that I found – uh, on them, you know, very successful program. Um, even this season under a different head coach, but well, that's <laughs> like. But you, that. but you know, and, man. and he had Coach Dale Irwin over at Art, you know, retired. Oh yeah, he was the other one yeah. I was trying to think because I mean that was a, a, a and, and and some of these guys, uh, you know, I, I coached against them, got to know them, you know, in those circles. Good guys, respectable football-minded guys, yeah. you know, and, and you're starting to see them, you know, kind of trickle out. But here's an interesting thing. I don't know if it'll ever happen. I really think Art Browse, Art Browse could run the football, high school football world. Up there with uh, Scott Surratt, John King. Yeah, he went back to Italy this year just to, fit, to coach yeah, again. But I, man, he could have stayed in high school football and did some work. Well, he, he didn't get any phone calls. Well, we won't say that he didn't. But anyway. Well, outside of the the, the yeah. Pittsburgh situation, yeah. he didn't get any phone calls. And but, he didn't get one from them. He got one from a prominent family. Yeah. But, um. They who shall not be named. Yeah. Josh, um, you know who we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> now, Josh, I know you, if you're still watching, if you're still watching, give us a thumb up, thumbs up or something, but. I know you're waiting on us to get to the NFL. We, we just hold, we'll be there. We're a complete, well-rounded yeah. show. Okay? Yeah, I don't think Josh is watching. I think Josh is. As, as, it just says Josh. Josh going is watching. I don't know. Either way, um, and interact with us after the show too. Not yeah. just you, but I'm saying all of our viewers. Yeah, all our viewers. Uh, a, okay, notification. Oh yeah, that was for your phone. Yeah. Anyways, For your it's, former job. it 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 doesn't even look like it'll be any of them in in the next five years. Maybe everybody's going to be coordinators, going to say head coaches. But yeah. you know, you got to start somewhere. I guess you know. Well, all these guys were at one point were yeah, a they, position coach, and it's just. Uh, different to see the changing of the guard. Yeah. Now, before we jump into the NFL, a few things in college football. There is a sense among some, because the Big 12 has yet to release their football schedule for the upcoming season. And there's a sense among some that Texas and Oklahoma are trying to negotiate their way out this season as opposed early. to next. Now, there are scheduling ramifications. There's financial ramifications, all of that. 
But there's starting to be some rumblings that that's why we haven't seen a Big 12 schedule. Now, when you sent me that over this weekend, I had I, I didn't respond. I had to get my mind right about it, you know. Yeah, I was like, but I was, you but put texts in the back. Get, I was yeah, like, okay. I had to get my mind right, and I thought about it. And I'm looking at it, and I'm saying, why? What would be? It would cost the them two hundred fifty million dollars. Why are they in such a rush? Can they not just wait? Can they not they hold ap- their horses? Well, they apparently do not want to play with the teams that are moving into the conference: Houston, SMU. Like they, they Why don't not? want to be a part because it's the revenue sharing process. They don't, they don't want that. Texas. I love you. So the SEC would have to work but, out a new deal with ESPN. So just stick it out for one more year. That's all you have to do. So this is, uh, let's see here. I'm trying to get the, uh, Dennis Dodd uh, wrote uh, a piece for CBS Sports on Thursday concerning this. So he said, Texas and Oklahoma would at least owe the Big 12 a termination fee for leaving early. The contract states any school departing early owes two years' worth of revenue using an average annual figure of $42 million. The Big 12 could reap as much as $168 million if Texas and Oklahoma give notice to the league 18 months in advance prior to uh, the original date. Dot also wrote that OU and UT reportedly have no interest in playing the four new schools. Why not? Because of revenue sharing. Okay, but... I'm just okay, say and this. here's I, why. Here's the financial ramifications. I knew it was okay. Okay, yeah, go ahead and say the that. Big Twelve schools uh, surrendered about sixteen million dollars in total revenue for 2023-2024 and 2024-2025 seasons. The final two years of the current deal, they did that to help the four new members get around eighteen to nineteen million dollars in revenue each of those seasons before the new TV deal kicks in for 2025-2026 when everyone gets $31.7 million per year. So apparently Texas and OU are looking at it and saying we could go to the SEC if we can get them to renegotiate with ESPN. We could wind up with more money without having to share it with the new schools. Money. That's pitiful. Listen, Texas ain't ready for no, the SEC. Not, not saying that it's going to happen, but yeah, apparently but there is some I, indication that maybe there's I, I, Yeah, I was, don't push the process. Just stick it out, man. It's not that, I mean, you, you're, neither one of those teams are ready for the SEC. And the thing is, they're looking at it from a financial side rather than a realistic side of things. Well, that's where we're at in college football, though. It's coming down. To the money. You know, yeah. the TV deals have all got involved. But, okay, here, if I'm Texas, here's what's interesting to me. Let's say you do this a year early. What if Quinn Ewers gets hurt and you have to push Arch Manning into playing? Mm-hmm. Would you not rather give him a year's worth of playing against some slappies in the Big 12 as opposed to having a schedule that would pro- no doubt include... A conference game probably with Alabama. A con- I mean, you know, a conference game possibly with Georgia. Whatever the case, an Ole Miss, a Mississippi, whoever. And now you got to push him into that? Like, just from a, deve- a football developmental standpoint, what would be the harm in staying in the Big 12 one more year? Now, I get you don't want to share the, the, the revenue money. Yeah. 
But look at everything you're going to gain in the long run if you do that. Maybe you get to hold on to an Arch Manning one more year as opposed to him looking around and going, okay, we can't handle the SEC, so I'm going to go ahead and transfer. Well, Arch Manning, I I believe, I mean, that's a very good question. And and I I would say, yeah, you want to get him that experience under his belt before you ever... Just throw him out there to the dogs, but... Because right now, Arch Manning's tweeting out all the right things. Like, his latest deal on Twitter was, you know, this is home, I love it here, da, da. Yeah. He's saying all the right things right now. Well, see, that's but why... But don't buy the hype, because what happens if you go get stopped by, you know, a really good football yeah. team, and you start looking around going, we can't win here. Yeah, but that's why... All right, now, Arch Manning, I do believe, can... Hang up there with the guys in the SEC. Oh, absolutely. But I, realistically, I think that Texas needs to just stick it out, man. Because you're right. You don't want to, if Quinn Ewers do go, you know, go down, you know, he had that shoulder injury, you know, who knows if that could be a reoccurring reoccurring thing. And you have to put Arch Manning in that position to start. Now, I don't think there will be any issues, but you want him to get, uh, a sense of how the game works and how the game is uh, the the speed of the game before you ever just throw him out there to the big dogs that are the SEC. And you want him to be able to be comfortable in his own skin at that position and be confident um, before you do that. And I think it's, you know, you have to, will it ever happen? No. But think of, of the team before making a decision like this. Um, and, and the position of the team, I don't think Texas is in, the, is in the position to go into the SEC. No, they're not. And Oklahoma I don't, uh, oh, certainly yeah, is. Yeah, Oklahoma they, definitely they, That's the ludicrous part of it. Not me. even to face a team like uh, Texas A&M, who, which is who, who they are chasing. Now, um, Texas has a better offense going than uh, – Oklahoma does. They may be able to last against a team like Mississippi State and uh, um, Auburn or somebody like that. But going, maybe, maybe, and it's a high maybe. It's big maybe. Maybe Alabama and Ole Miss. But you're going up, and you're going up a team like let's see, LSU, Tennessee, uh, Georgia. You're going to get stumped. Alabama is a maybe. Only I'm, I'm, I'm basing that heavily off of what you did. Last season, who knows? That may change. They may Alabama might just go on a dominant run. You know, if they which pissed, is what Nick yeah, Saban tends yeah. to do. If they're 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 PO'd enough, but um, Texas, uh, man, don't I don't don't put your, They don't need to put themselves out there too fast. And, and Oklahoma needs to sit tight too. You know, hold your horses, stick it out, man. Play some teams like SMU and Houston. And, and, you know, now those are good teams. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they're well-respected teams. But, you know, it, it, it's not going to hurt you. It, it's not. But it comes down to these TV deals. Yeah. and Everybody's but, in it for the TV money at this point. Yeah. But and see, there was a time when you cared about, okay, could we win this conference game and that conference yeah. game? And, but now it's more about, okay, we don't want to share, you know, $16 million dollars. With the other four schools, yeah, sixteen million. But you're gonna get that sixteen million back. Well, you're gonna get that alone in jersey sales with Arch Manning, right? exactly. You know, at some point, 
Exactly. And Quinn Hughes, Arch Manning, all these big top big name players you got, man. Like you're gonna get sixteen million. The sixteen million you worried about losing, you're gonna get it back either way. Yeah. Whichever way that you know, through the school or through just pure just athletic boosters, you're gonna get that back. It's not gonna hurt you to share. And I, I, I guess I'll say this, you know, over in Texas here in Texas, man, we are the most loving, caring, hospitable people you will ever meet. But we can be greedy when it comes to sports. Sports is one of the highest paid, highest uh, revenue, this currency in Texas right now. From high school all the way to professional sports. And I say professional sports because you look at the Dallas Cowboys, they're one of the most expensive uh, franchises in the world. Um, sports is dominant in Texas, and we can get greedy when it comes to sports, money-wise as well. And so that's kind of showing right here, right now. And Oklahoma's only going along with it because, like I said, they're trying to follow Texas. Yeah, it's a domino effect. Texas went after Texas A&M, and Oklahoma's Oklahoma going, going after, after Texas. Texas. And 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 with the higher Brett Venables, I thought, okay, they're they're actually putting them. Oklahoma's putting themselves in a position where that could be a winnable thing, and they couldn't even beat some of the that was Big an 12. atrocity. That that turned out to be a large mistake. I don't see it getting any better this, this season yeah, either. This is how bad Oklahoma looked, and I know you remember this. Watching it was so uncomfortable, uncomfortable because you had or they had rather. No offensive identity whatsoever, and the quarterback was not any good. Uh, they didn't know whether they wanted to. They couldn't throw the ball. Actually, that quarterback was bad. How did they recruit him? Well, he was what was left because, I mean, everybody else left. He was bad. You know, you lost Caleb Williams. He yeah. was supposed to be there, and then he, he bolted. Spencer Rattler had bolted at that point. I mean, and that was the thing. To replace a Lincoln Riley, I did. I understood they went with Brett Vilmos because he was from there. Yeah. He, he, they were comfortable with him. They thought, hey, you know, we, we just got jilted by our head coach. We're hurt, so we're going to bring in a guy that we're co- part of the family. You know, I don't see that working out. I think he gets one more year, and then I think he's gone. I think you had to give him one more year because he's from there, and you're paying him all this kind of money. And For good you know, measure, th- yeah. th- There was a big... We got our guy, uh, but I, I don't see that working out at all. Damn. And Bob Stoops is clearly not interested. He was interviewed a, a while back, and he said, uh, "Listen, the the college football world's changed too much for me. I you know I I, I want no part of that." Jason Garrett was on the Dan Patrick Show last week. He said he he wants no part of that, which was an interesting uh, take from him. But I tell you what, uh, as far as the Big Twelve is concerned. It looks like TCU is trying to maintain what they had from this past season. They were able to hire Kendall Browns away from Arkansas. Wow. Bring him back to Texas. You know, he, he's a Big 12 guy with his daddy there at, at Baylor, or Browns' son, Kendall. They were able to get woo him away. You know, there was some, some talk that maybe he would be interested in some other jobs. Woo him away from Pig Suey Land, and he lands at TCU after, you know, you lose Garrett Riley to Clemson. So it'll be interesting to me to see what is their offensive identity going to be under Kendall Bryles. He had KJ Jefferson the past couple or you know couple of years, and so you were used to having that athletic quarterback had some you know design runs for him and just used his athleticism. You got to replace 
you know, your quarterback there at TCU, so I'm interested to see what kind of recruitment, you know, process they go through at that position. And, and like I said, just kind of the overall identity uh, that he's going to bring to TCU and how that's going to affect Arkansas as well. But really that was intriguing to me for TCU to be able to go get a guy like that to say, you know what, this wasn't a one-year wonder. Now, do I think that that puts you in the sphere of the Georgia and Alabama, a top-end SEC team? No, I don't. Do I, you know, I don't think that catapults you there, but I do think that it allows you maybe to continue your run of dominance in the Big 12, especially with the knowing that, that hey, even if we have to deal with them for one more year, in the next year, you don't have to deal with Texas or Oklahoma. You know, now yeah. it's basically you, Baylor, and then everybody else. Yeah. Well, uh, which is interesting to me. I, I thought it was a good hire on their part, kind of a quiet deal that happened, but a big name. You know, that, that's a top, you know, coordinator in college football. Well, you, you have to because you're expecting some big recruits, you know, coming into TCU next season. And so you have to keep that excitement. You have to keep their uh, interest, you know, so they won't, you know, enter the transfer pool or, you know, leave or whatever or decommit. So you're expecting some, some, some big-name guys at TCU this coming season. So you have to be able to have an offensive coordinator that's going to, uh, keep them um, keep that offense going, you know, and you, yeah. and you on top of that, you know, uh, finding your next quarterback, you know. And so I think it's going to be it, it'll be interesting for TCU to see what they have under uh, Browse, um, knowing the kind of offense the mind that his dad is. Uh, it should be very interesting, and I mean, if they're going to run a and I don't know. He runs it up. To, it, it's similar to what his dad ran. Mm-hmm. You know, he runs you know, up, up tempo, all wide out speed offense, um, which would be interesting because they didn't really have that in Arkansas. I mean, with the quarterback, you had Traylon Burks for some seasons, but uh, you, you, you kind of want to, I think TCU has a little bit more than Arkansas does. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I think, just the fact that you have the chance, you know, to to come in off of a year where they just went to the national championship, that's going to help your help your recruitment. He was going to have to replace a quarterback either way, and I I think that played a large role in it. Yeah. Is the, just the recruiting pitch, and you're not recruiting a kid to have to go play Alabama, Georgia, yeah. you know, all those guys. You're getting to tell him, hey, listen, come down here. We're going to beat up on everybody else in the Big Twelve. We're going to be in a position. Possibly, do I think that they're going to be in the conversation next year for the Final Four? No, I don't. I think that they they shot themselves in the foot on that deal because they just got embarrassed on national television. But you could still make that case, you know, to a kid that hey, you have a chance, you know, to compete for a playoff spot uh, here at TCU. I thought that was a great hire. Now, a hire that happened and then isn't going to happen is Ed Reed. At Bethune Cookman, I don't know if have you been keeping up with that. Yeah, situation? I saw that, and it, <laughs> they did it wrong. Uh, so here's his official statement that he made to the team. He said, uh, "We've been around here trying to change things. My vision for change probably moving too fast for a lot of people. I'm not withdrawing my name, as they said. They don't want me here. They do not want me here because I tell the truth." He went on to tweet 
saying after this, saying after weeks of negotiations, I've been informed that the university won't be ratifying my contract and won't make good on the agreement we had in principle, which had provisions and resources best needed to support the student athletes. I was committed to coaching and cultivating a relationship with the university, players' community, and the fans. Yeah. Uh, it's extremely disappointing this won't be happening. Well, so they had reached an agreement in principle back on December 27th. Uh, however, nothing had been ratified at that point. Well, okay. I think what didn't help his cause was he went on this rant in a yes. video. Uh, if he doesn't make that video... I think he stayed. He's still there. But there is some truth to what he is saying. And it's backing up what Dion said, you know, what was said about uh, Jackson State and reports that Dion left. Is that they don't take care of their campuses they, and they don't care about their students. So the rant he was on in his video was about there being trash everywhere. And that they weren't utilizing buildings, and that it was full of trash, junk, and all. His office. His was office was yeah. His office. Now anybody coming into a situation like that as a head coach, that would rattle them, because that shows first off, you hired me without any kind of respect to me. Mm-hmm. You didn't respect me enough as a man or a head, let let alone a head coach. To make sure that my office area was clean. And then on top of that, there's trash all over the campus and there's buildings not being used and it's full of trash. But that says a lot about these campuses. And, and, and what I want to say, I won't say. But it says a lot because you go and you hire these guys and you expect them to do so much, but you don't put any much. You don't. You don't. You don't return the same energy back to them. You know, Dion, as we know now, was paying out of his own pocket to to for to do things for Jackson State, uh, to rebuild, remodel, and uh, to build new things. You know, to to make the campus look better mm-hmm. out of his own pocket, and then they don't even honor their side of the contract with what they were supposed to pay him. You know, and that's what Ed was saying. He said Dion was right, you know, and Ed was a lot more vocal than Dion, you know, about it. And, you know, like, of course, he made that video. But looking at it, that just all he did was expose the real that really happens at these universities like that. And, um the the people who who run it who are in charge they could care it's like they could care less and so i i i hate it for him because he didn't get a chance but you can tell he's obviously he's passionate about what he was going to do there yeah but all he was asking for let's clean it up you know he, it wasn't anything it wasn't anything out of line that he said but he was like let's clean it up i mean as a head coach you shouldn't drive or be driving around campus cleaning up trash that should have been picked up or having to clean out your office that should have been cleaned before you got there. I mean, that's just, it's, it, it's, it's a sad situation, but he shouldn't have been doing that. Right. He shouldn't have been. It's, he's a good, good enough guy to, to do it, 
Yes, but that's not his responsibility. He didn't come there for that. Yeah. That's not why you hired him, you know? So, do your job. Do your job. And them, them you know, not ratifying his contract just kind of, it made them look worse. Because I don't see them, who else is going to come there and have well, to deal well, with that, that same stuff? And, and I think for HBCU schools in general, that, that, that was the nail in the coffin. They're not yeah. going to get these top-end guys anymore. Any big names are not going to want to come to these schools. But it also goes back, carries me back to the deal that Dion's got with Colorado. That's a, another deal where it's basically just an in-principle agreement. I mean, yes, you've signed a contract, but there's no been no monetary exchange up until now. You've yeah. got, you know, the, so I, I think this will also cause these coaches to be a little bit more cautious before they just agree to take a job. Well, most definitely. You know, it, it will change most the definitely. way that they view the negotiation process. Uh, moving their families and, and, and trying to establish themselves, yeah. I think they're going to have to be able to pump the brakes. Now, speaking of Dion, I'm actually going to defend you. So, Dion was on a podcast, I'm not sure exactly which one, uh, this past weekend. And in the course of in what has become a now viral video, especially out there on TikTok, in the course of the interview, that he was being interviewed about players and what he looks for in a player. And he said, I only go after offensive linemen that come from two-parent homes. He said, if you don't have two parents in your home, I don't want you. And he caught a lot of heat for it. Hmm. Uh, he he goes on to say, you know, they're they're more even-keeled. They've got a you know better foundation to build off of. And I, that's what I'm looking for, especially in a lineman position, uh, you know, specifically the offensive lineman position. And so he kind of caught a lot, I mean, has caught a, a, a lot of flack uh, for these comments. I'm going to defend him here. The data supports this. That these players that, that by no fault of their own have to come from these situations tend to have disciplinary issues tend to, to be a little bit more hot-headed and all those things. There have been other coaches in the past that have talked about that, that have discussed the fact that, hey, if I recruit that guy, he's probably not starting for me right out the gate because i gotta, I got to watch him. You know, i I got to see how he's going to react in certain situations. I know, having coached at the high school level, that, that that's true, uh, that, that kids by no fault of their own that, that are in these unstable environments – uh, do tend to have some some issues that can cost you a ball game. You know yeah. that in a big situation are going to cost you that fifteen yard penalty because they say something that they shouldn't say right. or react to being antagonized. Not that that doesn't happen across the board, but but there unfortunately are some ramifications for an unstable home life. Yeah. Well, and so all he was saying was, "Listen, I hate for those kids. I'm not saying I won't recruit those kids." But they're going to be further down on the depth chart for me than a guy who has an established home and, and an established regiment and, and is used to being coached up or disciplined in his home. And I didn't disagree with him. And I think that the I understand that there was some backlash about, well, then how do you discriminate? It's He's not discriminating. He's simply saying, this is what I look for. And every coach has their guys. 
Yeah. They are out there to get this type of player, and ideally these are the guys that we want you know, on our football team. And, and this is what I'm looking for when I'm hitting the recruiting trail. This is the, what I'm looking for in the interviews with the, the, the coaches and the players about that player's background. I didn't have a problem with it. Uh, I personally felt that, hey, listen, uh, he's just being transparent about the process. And and I think that that was one of those where people were just kind of looking to pile on with him uh, and, and have a hot take opinion on it. But I didn't have a problem with it personally. Just well, mad. when you stated that, you know, that comment, that statement, whatever, that's the first thing that came to my mind is disciplinary, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, actions. Uh, is that, or issues. Uh you you'll probably have some with a little bit more aggression than what they should have. Yeah. Uh, anger, um, frustration. You know, and, and this is the the reality is you know, head coaches they're they're the coach, and some of them may down you know end up turning into you know some of these players counselors you know mentors, but ultimately they're there to coach, not be a mentor, not be yeah. not be a counselor for untreated trauma you know mm-hmm. and I'm not, I'm not saying everybody that comes from single parent households have that trauma but you are looking at probably most you know there's a lot more aggression there uh and there's probably some disciplinary uh issues because that weren't taken care of at home but yeah i don't i don't fault Dion. i think when Dion has reached a point in his career where he's watched a lot more, uh, he's listened to listened to a lot more, and the public is going to listen to and watch everything he does, because now, it, now that he's out of Jackson State, he's in a broader spotlight, bigger spotlight, bigger stage, and so everything he does and says is going to be under the microscope, and I think this is just a, an example of it. But he has the right as a as an as a uh, college coach to go after the guys that he wants to go after. There's nothing wrong with that. He's he's he he's not uh, discriminating against anybody in their own right. He's not he's not saying, well, I just won't take them at all. I don't want them. Mm-hmm. You know, he's saying I prefer. You know, um, he's not saying he hate them. He's saying I prefer. There's a difference between a preference. And just being cruel and hateful towards something. Yeah. You know, you prefer, you prefer, like, I prefer chocolate milk over <laughs> white milk. You know, regular milk. But that don't mean I won't drink regular milk. But I just prefer chocolate milk. Cause you're not going to yell at somebody who offers you a glass of regular milk. Exactly. You know, I'll take it, but and I'm going to enjoy it. But most of the time that's not what I prefer I prefer chocolate milk it's more I like it it's more flavorful it's better I enjoy it better or more and so that's what that's that's the difference is I think a lot of you kind of gotta extract the critics uh you know chew up the meat and eat up uh spit out the bones yeah because some people don't have reading comprehension skills uh, they don't have context clues. They don't know how to do that, and then that's that's a big thing in today's generation. It's it's not necessarily to 
poke or make fun of, but it's to bring awareness to this is that a lot of people in this generation and this era don't have those those skills. Mm-hmm. They lack them. Well, we want we want a hot take, and, yeah. and people took that little deal and ran with it. Exactly. And I I, I thought you know here's a, a, a point where Dion really didn't say anything. <laughs> no. You know, generally I, I'm the first one to say you know Dion be professional, but in this instance he didn't say anything that other coaches haven't said. Yeah. It was just a fact of. He said maybe a little bit different, and, and they took that one snippet and people ran with it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I personally didn't have a problem with it. Well, the the weekend, of course, was dominated by the NFL, per usual. Mm-hmm. Yep. Starts off Dolphins, Kansas City. You mean uh, Jaguars? Uh, yeah, Jaguars. Why do I keep wanting to say the Dolphins? I don't know. It's the second time you've done I, it. I know. I yeah. even wrote that in my notes, Jaguars. <laughs> but... Yeah, Jaguars, Kansas City. Jaguars are here to stay. I I think that they proved that they were legitimate. They had every opportunity to beat Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City is not the dominant team that we've seen in years past. There were definitely some points there where you watched that ball game and you thought, they're going to lose. Yeah. Like, Trevor Lawrence is going to find a way. Trevor Lawrence actually lost a game on a Saturday for the first time in his life. Uh, <laughs> high school, college, pros, he was 37-0. and in his lifetime on Saturdays. Finally lost a Saturday football game. But I, I thought I thought two things, two big takeaways. Number one, Kansas City is not who they've been. Number two, the Jaguars are going to be just as competitive. Like this wasn't a lightning in the bottle kind of year. This is actually probably, in my opinion, the, the first step and Doug Pearson really establishing the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence establishing who he is as a quarterback. And and like I said, you had every opportunity to win that game. There was some questionable officiating there late in the ball game. There was a late hit on Trevor Lawrence that may or may not have been roughing the passer. There was a couple times where I, you know, thought pass interference was warranted against Kansas City. So so you had that controversy, but just from a football perspective, Jacksonville went toe to toe with what is considered the best team in the AFC. I mean, yeah, you, you went toe-to-toe with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, and you gave them a run for their money. And if you would have told me that a year ago about the Jacksonville Jaguars, I would have asked you what kind of alcohol you were on, drinking and what kind of drugs you were taking. Because I didn't think that there was any way that yeah. they would make the playoffs, much less win a playoff game, and then go toe-to-toe with Kansas City. Yeah. I, I, I it that was, was it was it was definitely definitely one of those games. I, I knew Kansas City was going to win. I did not, however, expect uh, Jacksonville to be that close to beating them. Um, but it's it's like I've been saying, Trevor Lawrence is just man. He is the it factor for that Jaguars team. He is uh, he is their quarterback, and he's shown you know at the at the back end of the season that he can be a leader. Uh, and that he can lead that offense, and he, you know, if if the ball is in his hands, barring, uh, you know, depending on, I guess, the defense. Even no, I mean, if the ball is in his hands, you know, there's a possibility that 
he can take you down well, he, too. He, yeah, he got the ball, and I thought, here we go. He's got. Yeah. He's got. They're yeah. gonna go down and score, and yeah. then that's where you know he got hit late, and you thought, okay, they're two nine. They don't get the call. Yeah. They don't get a call on a, a pass interference play that was big at the time. Yeah, and and so you look at it, and you <laughs> you may be right. They may they may be that team next year uh, to beat. Um, but uh, for Kansas City. And, and, you know, you had Patrick Mahomes go out for the entire second quarter. He comes back in the second half. Yeah. Now, he's able to move around, but I still question how healthy yeah, is I that Yeah, I question ankle. that knee. And I, 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 or, is it a knee or is it ankle? Uh, ankle. He had a high ankle, ankle. sprain. Yeah. Okay. I, I, yeah, that's... He has a week to, to nurse it. And to whatever extent he'll nurse it is important because you're going to get, you're going up against a... I'm not gonna say a a a good Bengals Bengals team. Oh, I think that's a great. Cincinnati I mean, team. not I mean defense, not a team. It's a good team, but defense they're not great. Uh, they're manageable, but they're not great. Um, but I think you're going up against a you know, manageable defense, and but your offense is going to be the key factor in this game. Uh, so you have to be able to. Do what you need to do as a quarterback, and a high ankle sprain sometimes can play a huge role in whether in your passing and your mobility. Mm-hmm. And we all know Patrick Mahomes is a mobile quarterback. Uh, I, I just I think just want you more impressed with, with Jacksonville. Well, than, yeah, in Jacksonville, anything. you know, like I said, I picked them to lose. I picked Kansas City to win, but. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence was my favorite uh, quarterback coming out of college when he was in college, coming out of Clemson. He may actually made Clemson uh, enjoyable to watch, you know. So, um, matter of fact, I, I followed Trevor Lawrence through his high school from out of high school when he, until he got to Clemson. Uh, and when he got to, through Clemson, and I knew he was that quarterback. And so, to, to see him on that, on that stage... Gives me the sense, you know, yeah, they, it could be that team to beat, but it gives me that that sense and to know that, once again, he is Trevor Lawrence, he can win big ball games, and he can put his his position his team in a position to win. And Doug Pearson was able to kind of redeem himself as a coach again, come yeah. back, show that hey, I'm still a great offensive minded football coach, and I can still win games, you know, yeah. big games at that. You just had to give him a give him a chance this season to get the. Puzzles and pieces to all put together, yeah, and get going. That's all he needed. But now that they are, be on the lookout. Well, and I liked how the NFL staggered the game. So you had an AFC and NFC game, and then an AFC and an NFC game instead of AFC and NFC playing on the same day. Because then that evening, uh, you had, of course, the game between Philadelphia and New York, and we were both wrong on that pick. We both had New York in that ball game. That wasn't even close. New York. Didn't even that was that most, was like that was like me, the regular the season diso- game. Yeah, that was the most disappointing game of the weekend, right there. Yeah, the the only blowout of the weekend, actually. Uh, well, other than the the Bengals and the Bills, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but yeah, the Eagles didn't do anything, and uh, you mean the Giants didn't do anything? Yeah, I don't know why I keep saying the Eagles. Maybe because the Eagles are going to lose against the 49ers, but I hope so. Uh, but maybe it's because, you know, well, the Giants didn't just, they 
The Giants just looked lackadaisical. They didn't have anything. They couldn't get anything going offensively. Danny Dimes wasn't Danny Dimes. Danny Nichols. Danny uh, You know, Philadelphia revved up that offensive engine that we had seen earlier in the year. Where I mean, they were just running wide open. Uh, it was disappointing. It, it really was. Like, that was a game that I thought... I, I went into that game with a buildup. I'm thinking, okay, here's it, it, the game. It, it seemed like they were worse. They were they were worse this weekend than they were two weeks ago without their starters. <laughs> that was what, what does that me. what does that say about them though? I think it was just the mindset. It, it, it you just got the sense that they came in there with just kind of a dragging. It it didn't feel like a playoff game for them. Like the, that they went into that game thinking we've got to go in there and punch Philadelphia in the mouth. It didn't feel that way at all. It felt like, you know, Philadelphia came in and said, we're going to rev up the engine a little bit. Them out. They punched them in the arm. And we're going to get it going. So, you know, good for yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah. And Jalen Hurts looked fine. I mean, it didn't look like he was yeah, affected yeah. by that shoulder. Yeah. Which was a good sign. I think that's where Philadelphia was holding their breath. You know, they had seen him in practice. But then again, he didn't get no pressure. No, he didn't. But but just the fact that he was able to do some things that yeah. he was able to do, they didn't get no pressure. That, that he, he wasn't afraid of it. They didn't do jack. Mm. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I could see them beating San Francisco. I think you know, it, it's gonna. We'll 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 break down that game later on. But but I could see it after this weekend. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah. But that was by far to me the most disappointing. And if you're New York. Odell won't help your situation. Odell's not going to help you. I, I know that it, it seemed like a foregone conclusion that you stick with with Daniel Jones. I don't know if you do. Not. That's what I want to see over the next the rest of this week going into next week. Is what is the reaction? How how do the Giants react? Like what moves do they make or start to make? You know what what what's their plan now moving forward? Well. This is my my statement on the NFC East as a whole. Three out of three out of four teams out of the four teams in that division uh, does not have a solid for sure quarterback. Not even Dallas, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. They don't the 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 uh, the Commanders definitely don't. Uh, Giants thought they did. And they don't because he's not consistent. Uh, Philadelphia does. Philadelphia, yeah, Philadelphia does. And Jalen Hurts. And that's just the reign of these SEC quarterbacks, man. It's they're 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 built to last. They're like built for it tough. You know? <laughs> yeah. They they are they are built to last, and they are lasting. Uh, when I say SEC, I mean like Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, stuff like that. I'm not talking. Yeah, because Dak's going to from Mississippi State. Yeah, but yeah. One, a good Mississippi State team. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, they're built to last. Built for it tough. But that's the NFC East. And Danny Nichols does not. He took away the dime. Yeah, he ain't Danny Dimes no more. What's that about Dallas Cowboys? Okay, I gotta check that later. That's some news I have to get up on. Uh, but there's 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 nothing about him that says danger. 
<laughs> you know, like, beware. Like, he's going to tear us to shreds. Yeah, I know. You'll tear him to shreds. He ain't going to tear you to shreds. And he beat, they beat the Vikings because, I mean, the Vikings was just a fraudulent team. Now, I know that, you know. Well, it may have been an update on, uh, it was probably the update. On Pollard? Yes. Uh that he's going to require surgery. He actually oh, got, yeah, yeah. That went from a high ankle sprain to a broken leg. Yeah. That changed quickly. Yeah, I, I saw that last night. I don't I don't know. This is another page that I follow, Dallas Cowboys page. I'm going to have to look at it, at, like I said, after the show. But, yeah, Danny Nichols does not spell danger at all for anybody. Regardless of who they have on offense, it does not spell danger. Uh, He looks uncomfortable and decisive. And there's no confidence with him in the pocket. Yeah. Against the good defense. And so you can't have that. Um, but yeah, that's the Eagles and, and, and the Giants game. Like like I said, I'm 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 eager to see what the reaction out of New York is. You know, how what what is their next move? It's New York. Because Brian Dabble has brought a confidence to that ball club and he's brought a little bit of a bite to him. Uh, he expects to win. He's trying to set that expectation. I'm just going to see what is he going to do at quarterback. If you do move on to Daniel Jones, who are you getting? Who who wants that job uh, out of the quarterbacks? Because you, you're not going to bring in a, a, a you're not drafting a quarterback, but you're going to bring in an established quarterback who might would be interested. If in fact you do move on, you know what do you do with Saquon Barkley? I mean, you've got some decisions to make. Saquon. You know, I think it's just a matter of, of what do they do, you know, in response to being blown out in the playoffs. I mean, and just, imba- that was, it wasn't just a blowout. They got embarrassed. They got manhandled on both sides of the ball. It wasn't ever close. It's Josh, nope, never mind. But it, but, you know, it was never, it was never <laughs> even close. Yeah, no, it, it, it wasn't. And like I said, it was, it was a bad game. It really it was. was. So then, going back, very next game. You've got Buffalo and Cincinnati, a game that I thought could be a shootout, and Buffalo got dominated. Honestly, yeah, honestly, I felt like that was what that's what was that's what was going to happen a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago when they played them the first time at the end of the season, because in the game that got yeah, canceled, yeah, the game that got canceled, and everybody thought this, even even I did for a bit. But I knew Cincinnati was I, I knew Cincinnati was that team. I knew they but, were a better football team. But, I, but the fact that they they went up there and mashed I mean mashed on that Bills line on both sides of the ball. Well, every, the offense could do whatever they wanted to do. Yeah. They the defense was in the backfield. They were eating up Josh Allen. I mean Josh Allen tried to take over the game the best that he could, but they couldn't do anything to help him out. No. I mean that they were all over it. I, I thought well, that was a great they, game. Complete football game by Cincinnati. But the reason why the Bills got so much slack is because of the DeMar Hamlin incident. Everybody wanted that fairy tale story to come to fruition. Uh, they win. They go to the AFC Championship Super Bowl. Everybody was looking after that. Surely they'll win. They'll go on. And that's what people were looking for, that that that. Cinderella story that was kind of a sob story type of deal, and not to take away from what happened to Mar Demar Ham Demar Hamlin, you he know was it was at the game by the way. Yeah, he was in, at the in game the, in the press box. You know it it was 
nobody expected that. You know, it was bad, but we had reality in those in that moment after that moment was kind of put to the side. You wanted that to happen because of that moment, but the reality is that Buffalo, even at that point, was a struggling team. Yeah, uh, they, they, at the end of the season, towards the end of the season, they were starting to struggle on offense. Um, their defenses weren't shutting was shutting down, and so the game yesterday just kind of solidified that Buffalo team is that they weren't who we thought they were at the beginning of the season. At the beginning of the season, you know, we thought that yo know, man, they're the way they treated the Rams, and then the next week they were like, okay, they're going to go on. They're going. I thought they, they have were clear what it, the yeah, Super Bowl they players. have what it takes to win the yeah, Super Bowl. You know, go to Super Bowl and win. But as the season went on, and they started to digress, and they started to nearly get beat by teams they shouldn't be getting beat by, it kind of showed that true colors is that there are some obvious struggles. You know, every team has struggles. And this is the identity. And this is how you find out if a team is truly good or not. Is how they respond uh, in difficult moments. And if they are consistent. They were never consistent. I mean, they always were playing catch up or trying to hold it together. And that's how you can tell if a team is good or not. Uh, the the Eagles uh, have their losses. You know, they had the losses, but they were still known as a dominant team. You yeah. know, they were going to go out and they were going to, you know, beat you up on offense and then turn you over on defense. So that was the Eagles. That's the Eagles. San Francisco, same way, explosive. We're going to run between the gashes on the outside, try to stop us. On defense, try to get past us. And that's San Francisco. You know, the Bengals is the same way. They don't have the greatest defense, but they're going to get you on offense. Yeah, the, the way that, like I said, I just go back to that game's in Buffalo. It's snowing. Yeah. To be at Vange Bills at your home stadium, your home crowd, everything slanted its way towards Buffalo's going to come out and just be who they are. And they weren't. They, they just got out physical. And that, I mean... That was something that never should have happened. You've got, in my mind, the, the, the most physical quarterback in the NFL in Josh Allen. He's not afraid to just lower his shoulder. He's not sliding, okay? He's going to lower his shoulder and run into you. That's the way he plays. Uh, and he tried his best. But but I also think that that showed where they're going to have to build around him a little bit more. That They're going to have to do some things offensively. And then you have Stefan Diggs getting into it with him on the sideline. It, it appears that Stefan wants out. He immediately left following the game. He didn't want to speak to his teammates, didn't want to talk to anybody. He he left minutes after the game, uh, refused to make any comments. So I think you're going to have to deal with that situation. I think there's going to be some fallout in Buffalo. What once, you know, a year ago, you lose that shootout to Patrick Mahomes, which led to the, the overtime, you know, rule changes for the NFL. But you go back to that. And after that game, I said, that that team's going to the Super Bowl next year. Like, that's your Super Bowl caliber football team. And I thought, that that is the beginnings of another, you know, dynasty run for the Buffalo Bills, and it just fell apart. You know, me and you have both talked about this, is that it's hard to do that 
following a season like that. It's hard to get that same, you know, those same kicks, those same reactions, that same drive. But Cincinnati's been able to do it. That's what's impressed me about Cincinnati. Yeah. Well, and that kind of shows you that's why Cincinnati is a Super Bowl caliber team. Um, Probably the only ones in, uh, they probably most likely will win it. But And, And this goes back to Joe Burrow's days at LSU. You know, he got a lot of flack for the way he acted. Taking the pictures with the cigars and all that, you know. But that, but that's what you want in a quarterback. He has you, swagger. Yes, you want a guy who's going to go to the line and say, I'm better than you. Like, we're just going to beat you. I've got dudes on my team. We're coming yeah. at you now. Come and stop me. He is a dog in quarterback form. He, he really so, is. He, he because really is. When, when, when you use that term, dog, you 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 thinking of a running back or defensive players, you know, every once in a while you you may add some receivers in there, but very rarely do you talk about a quarterback being just a straight dog on. I mean, and that's what Joe Burrow is. I mean, he has a swagger to him, a confidence, an aura about him that when he steps on the field and he steps in the room, he owns it. Yeah, that's his. And so, yeah, you want a quarterback like that because then. If he got confidence in that much confidence in his game and in himself and his team, I got confidence. I can have confidence. I can relax. I know he got it. But you don't. It's it's very few quarterbacks that you get that kind of sense. Josh Allen, I you know he puts he's willing to put everything on the line for his team, but he doesn't have that that to me. He doesn't have that it factor for him. Uh, he has it some games, but. Some games, it's like you you question some of the things decisions he make. Uh, I, I don't think agree. that they put him in great positions. Well, no, because they don't they don't have the offense they had last year at all. Yeah, they don't have the deep. Matter of fact, they don't have the defense now. Like I said, at the beginning of the season, that defense looked fire. It was stacked up. It was beefed up, and we thought, okay, that's going to be hard to get past. Mm-hmm. But. It has it had its cracks and it had its flaws, and it proved to be fatal in the end. Uh, but with Josh Allen, I think you know you're right. I don't I don't see it, but he is a good quarterback. I think they do have some stuff to address on offense on the offense side of the ball. Uh, maybe you change. You ask. You know, I don't. If he has a shoulder issue, he doesn't need to be lowering his shoulder and running over guys. Yeah. You know, he, he needs to cut that out. Um, but that's his style of play. That's I, his I, I get that. I get that. But if it's going to hurt you, you know, and it's, I mean, I, I guess if you do it the right way, because that's going to kind of contradict what I'm going to say about the next quarterback we're going to be talking about here after this. Uh, but, you know, you, you got to put your, if that's going to put your, your team in a position to win, then all means go for it. Well, and like I said, that's where I think they've got to do a better job building around him because it, it certainly felt like he had the feeling that if we're going to do anything here, I've got to put it on my back and, and get after it and do what, I, yeah. what I've got to do. Now, a team that couldn't do that last night was the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, and I say what you want, but Dallas has some serious issues. Uh, yeah, that I, if they're going to be competitive, and, and here's the thing: is it's not defense. Okay, no. now, 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 of course, defense. But if I'm Dan Quinn, I'm leaving. Like I'm gone. It, but then that's what. Now, me and my brother had an extensive. We were 
racking our brains about what could have, uh, what could happen next season, what needs to happen. At the end of the day, there's so there, it's a deeper conversation that needs to have other than uh, Dak Prescott and you know Dan Quinn. I, I think if Dan Quinn stays, you get rid of of Kellen Moore because here's why: Kellen Moore doesn't game plan. Kellen Moore's game plan is we're gonna we're either we're gonna go a pass heavy offense. Okay, well how are we gonna do that? Just gonna pass. Okay, well, what kind of passes? What are we gonna do? Play action. Uh, what kind of passes are we gonna do out the backfield? What are we gonna do? Post down the field, across the middle. It's it the the offensive identity of the Dallas Cowboys. Every game is different, and I think what Kellen tried to do, he got away from the run in the second half, and I think he tried to run the same offense that he ran against Tampa. Uh, he did. Yeah, he tried to go pass heavy, wide yeah, and open. You can't do that. You and I thought I'm Dan Quinn. You get rid because I can't have my guys out there like playing lights out, and then you bring your offense onto the field, and they don't three and cap- out punt. And yeah, or and, Dak Prescott throws an interception. Yeah, or and you don't capitalize off what my deep the defense is feeding was feed this year this season the defense. More times than not, have fed that offense the well, ball. And it was the same. It was the same way last year. But I go back to so last year, you know, Dan Quinn for whatever reason, and you know, Ellen even said that there's some questions about exactly what that conversation was with Jerry. Yeah. But Dan Quinn for whatever reason, uh, you know, took his name out of the the deal in Denver and said, "I'm not going to take the job." If I'm Dan Quinn, you can't afford to turn down another head coaching job because you're still a hot commodity. Yeah. One more year and you're not going to be a hot commodity like you are right now. You've got to capitalize on that, and I'm not going to waste my time with an organization that's not going to win. Yeah. Despite what my unit does, they're not going to win. But that's been... (laughs) Dallas have been in this boat since 2014. They've been in this boat tw- since 2014, and I won't even count 2014 season because that was a good team. You know, it was a darn good by team. all means, they should have won it all if Mike McCarthy doesn't call that challenge flag. But um, thanks, Mike. Yeah, but the seasons afterwards, it's always been you could not get it going on offense, defense yeah. consistent throughout. Bend but don't break, but they've been consistent and holding off teams just enough to put you in a position, position to, to win. win. And they haven't. They failed that defense time and time again. And I'm, I'm sorry, and I'm going to say this, but that Prescott is a nice guy. He's a leader by all means off the field. He's a leader. But on the field, like Jerry, man. he's inconsistent. You, That isn't the type of guy that if within two minutes, if he isn't given two minutes or more, he can't win you the game. I won't even say within a minute. Because that yesterday, they didn't even have a minute. You can't put the ball game in his hands. It's just impossible. You can't you you, you can't do that. Well, I, I've said this before. I have more confidence in Bryce Young having the football in his hands with less than a minute left on the clock than I do Dak Prescott. Exactly. And here's the thing is, this is why... Uh, Kellen Moore, that's an off. Everything is off in Dallas right now. I, I don't. Nobody's 
you know, together because there's a misunderstanding. Mike McCarthy a few weeks ago said he never told Dak that he couldn't run the ball. Yeah. He never told Dak that he couldn't run, he shouldn't run, or not to run. My thing is with this is someone else said this, is that there is a there seems to be a mental block mm-hmm. with Dak Prescott. Yeah. And I think and I a believe mental block. Yeah, I, I believe it stems from that injury. When early in the first half, there was a couple times where the pocket breaks down, he hits the scene, he yeah. goes for it. We saw it against Tampa Bay. So, yeah, so what what happens? Because Dak, more times than not, the Cowboys have won games, especially big games like this, when he used his legs. I don't know what mentality or what is being told to him that tells him, I can win this game with my arm. That even when you beat, uh, who was it, who was it? Houston, you used your legs. You didn't just throw. You ran. So your arms can't aren't going to carry you down the field. Those throws aren't going to carry you down the field like that. You have to get out in space. You have to see things. You cannot just stand up in the pocket. You're not that kind of a No, you're not. And he, his vision is not good down the field. Uh, there was multiple times where he's throwing into double-team coverages. Yeah. If you disguise the coverage at all on him, He's going to throw right into it. He does not see the pattern. He doesn't see the routes very well. He's just not that kind of quarterback. No. And so, I, I say you get rid of Kellen Moore. If you get rid of, rid of Kellen Moore, you you probably have to dump Dak. You have yeah. to trade him away. Um, but if you keep Kellen Moore, then you still got to get rid of Dak. Because Dak's and, not a championship No, but if you're in your right mind. And I, I said this for the show. You're in your right mind. You wouldn't give the backup quarterback the offensive coordinator job. And the guy that's starting quarterback now took his job when he was playing. Yeah. Who does that? Who gives the backup quarterback the offensive coordinator job? I mean, and, and all these trick plays and this playbook that we've talked about for the last three seasons with Kellen Moore. Four seasons with Kellen Moore, actually, uh, that he has so called have, we ain't seen yet. We seen maybe that, one or two that's plays. That's what I understand with him is everybody you know keeps coming out. He's an offensive genius. Well, where, where he is ain't it? showing it. I mean, th- it, that's why it amazes me. He gets head coaching opportunities that he was up for the USC job last sure, year. I mean, I does mean, he does he have this book that he's going around emailing or just showing? Her, Look what I got. <laughs> Yeah, or, like, I've drawn this up. I'm not going to run it, but yeah, I've drawn yeah, it up. Yeah, this is like, what I got. I concocted it. I mean, I, that's what I understand with him, that there's there seems to be an enamorment with Kellen Moore that really doesn't bear itself out on the field, but we'll see about that. But on, on the other side, San Francisco did what they had to do, even in a game where Brock Purdy, you know, was contained for the most part. Uh, you know, they're able to run the football, play hard-nosed. Kyle Shanahan came into that ball game and said, listen, we're probably going to change it up. We're not going to, you know, pull a Tampa Bay and just air it out. We're going to be a little bit more conservative run between the tackles. It worked, you know, in the long run. It does appear by all reports that no matter what, Brock Purdy is going to be the starting quarterback over Trey Lance next year. So I think that that's going to be interesting, uh, even if they lose this next game. But now you're in a position, you win in Philadelphia, you're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, And I, I think you have every opportunity. Uh, to, to beat Philadelphia, especially if you can get that run game going often and early, you know, and, and, and get that in the back of Philadelphia's mind 
then hey, they're going to come right downhill. They're going to wrap between the tackles, and that's going to open up yeah. some things for Brock Purdy, you know, on the back end of plays yeah. and and later on in the ball game. Yeah, but, but that, I, I thought that was a solid that, effort by that, San Francisco. That was the that was the best defense that they've played all season. Yeah. The best defense. I don't think it'll be so with Philadelphia. I think no. that'll be more of a shootout than anything. Yeah, Philadelphia is not going to be able to play uh, the way that, that Dallas was. Philadelphia doesn't have uh, the linebacker core to really contain Purdy the way that that the Cowboys did. You know, Vander Esch ate his lunch, and you don't have that in Philadelphia. No. So I think that you are going to see more of a gunslinging duel. Yeah, you know, between. Uh, Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy, but then on the Cowboys side, moving forward too, uh, and this is something that I'll I'll have in our interview with Elwin tomorrow. You know, it, there was report before the game that the Cowboys plan to keep Tony Pollard, even if that means to franchise tag him. Considering the fact that now he's you know going to have to require surgery for a broken leg, you would think he's going to take it. That he's not going to go out there and test the market because. Hey, you want to see yeah. see what that's going to be like, but even then, I, what did you do with Zeke? Now, this is something interesting that was told to me is that Zeke isn't your main guy anymore. No, he's not. But here's an interesting thing. Now we know that the Dallas Cowboys are notorious for signing fullbacks and not using them and letting them go. But if you want to keep Zeke, you put, put him at, at you put him at yeah. that position. Put him in the eye the the eye set. And, and on short get, runs, yeah, you short let runs. him get it. But, because everything he's doing at this point in his career is between the tackles anyways. Yeah, and he's only getting uh, two, three, four yards. His maybe. body build is going to more of a fullback field. So, yeah, I mean, I could see that working. But I, I think you have to keep him just because that contract. Nobody's yeah. going to want to take that on and take the salary cap hit. But we'll see. Uh, well, we got a lot to talk about tomorrow, too. Yeah. It be, it, I guess it's, We can uh, scratch the surface. Yeah, it, it's going to heat up. And... I mean, I just, once again, another disappointing season for the Dallas Cowboys. Like I said at the beginning, I wasn't surprised. Yeah, I wasn't bagging on them to go to the Super Bowl. They got to the second round, but I was expecting them to play a better game uh, on both sides of the ball than what they did. And it was, it it was, it was horrible. It was worse than last year. Uh Actually, I won't even say that. It was probably about the same as last year. It was about the same because you just saw some late-game decisions yeah. that I, made I, you scratch your head and wonder what's yeah, going on. It, yeah. But, but, yeah, we'll talk about more tomorrow as we get more information and uh, news come out later on today. Um, you'll get, like I said, it's going to... You're going to get more fallout yeah, this afternoon uh, it, from, from all of this. Yeah, and so... Uh, could be some interesting moves being made. So, just be on the lookout. We'll be on the lookout, too. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow, 9 yeah. to 11. Be right back here. I, I told you yesterday, man. I was like, I was so serious. I said, because I was like, if Dallas loses this game, I'm not going to be in the mindset to do this show. But you did good. Yeah. I, you got I was, I was, at the beginning, I, because I have friends who are San Francisco fans. Well, one is a San Francisco fan, and, and then the other just lives on the West Coast. She's a fan of any kind of West Coast team. And so, <sighs> salt on the wound. I mean, yeah. salt on the wound. Well, I, I told you, you it, just got to get your feet wet. You got to gotta get I, through the show. I hate it. It helped because I, I love the Lakers, and they played well last night. Yeah, at least somebody won. You know, they played a good game. 
We got to shut the West Coast down. Don't shut the Lakers down. But Shut down the West Coast. Yes, shut down the West Coast. Lakers are excluded. They are the West Coast, but... So we're starting our third week. Well, let's close that. Starting our third week, doing a daily live show. What do you think? Daily? Okay. We do a daily live show. Yeah. I don't... I don't know. It's it's very... It, I'm more comfortable and relaxed in it than I was in the in the beginning. Yeah. And so, I can say, you know, I'm kind of... I'm finding my groove. Also, hop on our TikTok. We're only... Yes. Did I, 18 people away from being able to go live on TikTok? Please do that. Because we yes. are trying to go we're, live on TikTok. We're right on the doorstep of yes, getting that done. Yes, we're knocking. Man, the old I, sports, find yeah. us. Look us up. Yeah. And so... Ready to kick that door down and get that going. So, yes, please, if you haven't already, go over to our TikTok. Check it out if you must, but please give us a follow. Yes, uh, share it. Get yes, it out there. Share it and you know, get us out there. Uh, you guys have been great with doing that so far uh, and getting our content out there. So, um, continue to do that and, and let's get to a 1,000 and more. Um, but, yeah, it's been a great show, man. Great show. More news coming tomorrow and... Uh, the cycle's going to keep on Yeah, going. yeah. All right. Well, y'all have a great rest of your day, and we will see you 9 to 11 tomorrow yes, on Good Old Sports. sir.